We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports hosting. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, so all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Jordan Curl. Jordan is an on-air host and an esports and sports journalist. She's also the marketing activations project manager for esports organization Gen G Esports. Jordan previously acted as on-air talent for many different esports events, including for Gears of War 5's E-League Summer Series and as part of MLG's Gears 4 Pro Circuit. She's featured on ESPN, Complex, Twitch Gaming, Xbox, and many more. Prior to working with Gen G, she was the esports content manager for the Dallas Mavericks, including working with her NBA 2K League franchise, Mavs Gaming. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like no pressure. Wow, that bio. Wow, did I do all that stuff? <laughs> I know, right? I'm like researching. I'm like, wow, look at her. She's been around and making all these moves. So it's really excited to get you on the show and hear a little bit about, you know, kind of how you got there. Yeah, thank you for having me, Justin. All the work you've done is awesome. So I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So to start, you know, tell us a little about your past esports and gaming experience. What was the first game you played and how'd you get involved in the esports business? Sure. So I've been a gamer, I want to say, like, since I was could breathe. <laughs> I came out the womb gaming, huh? Like most. Um, but yeah, so my very first game was actually Pokemon Blue on the Game Boy Color. Ooh, throwback. Not, hopefully not showing too much of my age, but yeah. I definitely so played I, a lot of Pokemon on Game Boy Color. There it is. Okay. So a classic. I still have it if I um, could find it. But yeah, so I started out with Pokemon. I grew up around all boy cousins. And um, I would say that that Pokemon was really what started my love for games. So I've had most of the systems. Um, I remember my first actual like actual console not handheld was like the nintendo 64 so i love mario donkey kong banjo kazooie i was holding out for a banjo kazooie announcement at xbox game showcase but it's okay it's okay maybe next time xbox if you're listening um, but yeah so fast forward i guess to college i've always loved games i actually wanted to be a game developer initially and I specifically wanted to work on The Sims and at EA because I grew up 
loving the sims just the character customization for me is just such a big deal in games and the sims obviously like had all of that you could customize your home the world and i loved that so i studied computer science in school and i realized while i was there um in university i also had a passion for communications journalism i worked specifically with the athletic team doing some broadcasting and like basketball hosting specifically so i was like i know how to code i could always you know do some refreshers and take some classes to relearn it if i ever fall off but i kind of want to try to do this broadcasting thing so um, after undergraduate and finishing a degree in computer science, I went on to Northwestern to study broadcast and specifically focus on sports. Well, um, after my first quarter at Northwestern, I was like, um, I remember being in my cold 500, maybe it was 300 square foot um, apartment in Chicago. And I discovered Twitch. I want to say that was like 2017 back then. And but obviously it was just in TV. And now that I've done some research, I did not know Twitch had been around that long and people have been streaming and creating content that long but i remember stumbling upon the league of legends and riot games broadcast i found call of duty through that found gears and i was like wow they have like casters and like because i really like doris burke as someone who's a big fan of basketball i was like i could be like doris burke for like esports or like whatever title i like so that's kind of when at the end of 2017 that's kind of when i went all in on esports. I remember telling my family. I remember going home that Christmas and going to the Gears event in Dallas and also the Call of Duty one in Dallas. And that's kind of how I first got into esports is through the connections I met made at that MLG event. And so ultimately, um, I I got connected with the right people. The Gears team at MLG and the coalition actually did a talent search. And I applied and sent in my submission. And I got, when I tell you, Justin, I got everyone <laughs> at school involved. I was like, I need to borrow a teleprompter. I need to borrow this. I'm trying to make a really nice role for this mission. <laughs> I ended up getting the job and opportunity as like a floor interviewer. And that's what started it. Like I was already doing like um, on my own time, I was doing like a content recap show um, that I was putting out on YouTube, like a little one minute just about the esports, what happened in the week. And I was literally waking up at like 6 a.m. taking the bus downtown to do this esports recap show with um, some of my professors <laughs> that were very supportive at the time. Um, and after that, like, Things just started opening up. I went to New Orleans and worked that event. Then um, Xbox always asked me back. I still work with Gears. We actually have an event. Um, the final week of June, June 24th through 26th, is actually going to be the last event for Gears. So I've been with them since not they started, but until the end. So that's kind of full circle, I guess. And yeah, I did some freelance while I was in college. Then I went on to the Mavericks and now with Gen G. So I know we're going to get into that later. And I know that was a very long explanation, but that's how I got here. <laughs> 
Amazing. I mean, I think that there's a lot of lessons that I think our listeners can take from your kind of story of, you know, you've always had this passion for gaming and let's be real computer engineer. Like you could have gotten quite the impressive, you know, job right out of college with that kind of credential. And instead you kind of followed your passion and it led you to your next passion. And I think the biggest advice that people on the show and, you know, we'll catch on that later is that you just have to go for it, do it. If you see something, it's like, yeah, like I have to make a reel and I'm going to submit. Like what's the worst that happens? They say no. Who cares? I made a reel. I did this. I know how to do it. I'll do better the next time. And, you know, I think it's something that a lot of people are sometimes scared to make that leap, scared to do something that's maybe, you know, not the norm. You know, as you said, you know people like Doris Burke and there's tons of other female sportscasters, you know, and all kind of national and international and local stuff. And the esports world is just kind of an ancillary world that, you know, needs this kind of profession. And you kind of saw how you could, you know, trailblaze in that. And as we see years later, you're now working, you know, some of the largest operations and now you're working with one of the largest teams so you know tell us a little about gen g what do you do there and what's some of your responsibilities yeah so i started off at gen g a little over a year ago and i was the marketing activations manager and now my work um, has me in talent and creator relations. So I lead our U.S. team of three of us, and I'm their direct report. But it is um, very exciting. So at Gen G, we kind of – we do have our esports leg where we do – Um, where we obviously compete. Most of our teams are based out in Korea and China. And then we also have obviously our NBA 2K team. And then we do have teams in Valorant in the the States. But we also have more of the agency arm that we kind of work as. So um, we've done work with Toyota, Crocs, McDonald's, um, to name a few. And basically what we're doing is the brands will sometimes come to us, sometimes we'll go to them saying, hey, we can create this gaming experience and you can get in front of gamers. Obviously, COVID and the pandemic showed that, you know, gaming is like, I think we know, you know, obviously you and I being close to this space, we knew that gaming is not just like a pastime. It's a real business. It's a real career. But for a lot of people, even though like I think, um, you know, some of the things that happened back in 2016 were like Drake played on stream, I think with Ninja and things like that happened. It somewhat to me took the pandemic to really get more non-endemic brands into the space. Um, And so around that time, I kind of joined um, toward the tail end, I guess, of the pandemic. Well, technically it was March 2021, so I guess we were still in the thick of it, <laughs> being that's 2022 now. But yeah, a lot of brands come to us. I um, will help scout, source, contract, talent. Um, I work with my team to manage all of the deliverables, make sure the creators get everything done. I'm very much a part of a lot of pitch process and a lot of our education initiatives. We do work with colleges such as University of Kentucky, Eastern Michigan, um, as well as some middle schools in the California area. So we're kind of we kind of have a long arm, um, I would say, and do a lot for gaming and the community. Yes. Um, yeah, so I mean that was amazing. I definitely see, you know, what you guys are working on. Gen G has, you know, a lot of 
different exciting opportunities there and something that I thought was really revolutionary that happened and that you were recently at PAX East working with was, you know, the organization entering into a deal with game developers. So tell us a little about what you were doing at, you know, PAX and what you think of the event. Sure. So that was actually for our brand as well as the brand we were with our first ever time at like a con or a show like that. So um, just, I guess, to take a step back from me personally before I go into it, um, we are now partners with a game developer, Nimble Neuron. They also work with Kakao Games um, based out of Korea. And Eternal Return is the game that we're working with them on. Eternal Return is very popular in Korea and has a very big fan base there. And they were looking to push themselves into North America in a very general, not general, but a very authentic way. And with an organization and a team and an esports team that has a footprint in both markets. And Genji's footprint in Korea is very large. And we are also pretty established in North America with some of the brands that I mentioned to you previously. And so they were looking for a way to get into um, the industry and not, not the industry, but at PAX looking for a way to reach new fans, because I think that is a very, obviously a very important objective for any game developers. Like we want people to play this game, right? And the game is very fun. So it's a MOBA style battle Royale, the original game mode. It has some aspects of kind of looking like anime characters. The character design is so beautiful. I love watching people play because I just love to see what the characters look like, their um, skins, everything. Their battle pass is really cute, too. So they were trying to get a push at PAX. So we, our team came together and said, we could try to make this happen. Let's do it. And so it was such a great turnout. Our booth was packed every day. Um, the staff was so excited to see how many people came out. I I was not on the calls with the game dev to see their reception, but I do believe that they were probably pretty proud of the work that we did. We also went to DreamHack earlier in June, and um, that also went very well. We actually hosted a tournament at DreamHack and brought out some of their Eternal Return partners and some of our own creators to play the game and showcase the game to a new audience at DreamHack, which ended up being very positive and a very great turnout for the game there as well. So just trying to help them um, expand. And they've seen upticks in their active users daily and monthly just from the work that we've done. And it's only been three months of the partnership. So I think it'll just continue to blossom, continue to grow. I'm even noticing that some people that... I didn't personally contract or even playing the game. So my goal with Eternal Return is to not just reach the audience that already loves Dota, already loves League of Legends. I think most of those people probably have touched it. My hope is to also increase it to people who are in communities that probably aren't necessarily into League of Legends. Because, you know, obviously you want to diversify the game and like the audience and make sure everyone has a chance to play. And I think, you know, this connected world of gaming gives us an opportunity to do that. So that's my mission personally on the creator side. And I think we've uh, definitely hit our goals with that so far. 
Definitely, your booth was really awesome there. Definitely can attest to the the line around the block for it. And <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, what kind of benefits do you think a game developer has partnering with you know an organization, especially one that you know has footprints in multiple territories? Sure. So I think it definitely gives you, first of all, depending on how the organization um, is structured, if they do have like a creator department, first of all, we can get our creators that already might play the game um, on board to play and try it out. Like a lot of our creators have actually really enjoyed the game and some of them hadn't even heard of it before, even though it's free to play on Steam and like everybody um, has access to it. They didn't even know it was around actually um, and it was already available. So I think first that is like a huge deal. And then if they can get their friends on board, I think word of mouth marketing is always the number one goal. Like I think paid is fine. Like you can pay people to do things, but when they start telling their people just authentically and, you know, obviously like talking about one game developer, hate to talk about another, but honestly you have to give credit to Among Us. Like Among Us is the pinnacle of that you know we saw the growth of it the boom on youtube like it was a time i remember like mr beast pewdiepie are in the same lobby and thousands hundreds of thousands of people are watching and it was all because like hey do you want to play a game with me like you know you hear things like i think there were politicians playing or something like that like it was crazy who like some of the people that were just hopping on among us to just have conversations i think crypto companies did some stuff in among us like a lot of different people were playing because word of mouth was so powerful and among us didn't i don't think necessarily um, worked with the esports organization. I want to say that they probably did some stuff with offline TV, though, which is sort of like a content house gaming, um, not necessarily esports org, but definitely content house, content powerhouse, I should say. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits, especially working with creators who already have established brands. And if their fans are excited, especially if you can give their fans and their community a chance to play with them. Community-driven things are so powerful to me, and I think that's the strength of working with an esports organization that does have an established fan base, and we call our fans Tiger Nation, so a lot of Tiger Nation is playing the game now, and it just it continues to boost and continues to increase the number of players, which is ultimately the goal for the developer. Absolutely, and I think that was one of the things that really stuck out on me was how kind of like I said, revolutionary, but it's really kind of industry changing where most of the time we have the developers, whether it's the Riot Games or the Activision Blizzards or any of these others that are kind of dictating the terms. They're kind of telling the orgs and the players, okay, this is what you can do. This is what it costs. We're in charge. But this seems to be a little bit more of we're doing this together. You know, your wins are our wins. While we own the game, we see the value in, you know, the distribution and marketing and the hype and, you know, the word of mouth, like, oh, you're about this game. Oh, it's so awesome. Everybody's playing it. Like, that's the Among Us vibe. That's the Fallout guys. That's, you know, these things that kind of rise to the top of Twitch out of nowhere and, you know, spawn, like you said, AOC and all of these other top people playing together where you said you have Ninja and Pokemon and five other huge streamers all together and they're all pulling all their views. And it's like, guarantee the developer didn't see that coming. 
Right. Nobody could have predicted that. Like some of that content that came out around Among Us was so big. And I mean, obviously they're still very popular, right? But, you know, things have slowed down and people have moved on to other content. But that Among Us boom kind of reminded me of how Fortnite did too. So kind of crazy. Right. So talk a little about some of your on-air hosting. How did you kind of first get involved in that and what's some of the events you've worked yeah, so um, I started out with MLG just as a freelancer. I wasn't employed or anything. Um, I was with them doing uh, some gears work to start out. And since then, I've done a lot of kind of variety, I would say. Like, I would say I'm definitely like, I love competition, which is why like I love basketball, love esports. Um, but I'm really also trying to get into more of the entertainment realm as well. So I've done some stuff with Twitch gaming around um, the Black History Month last year. So I was one of the interviewers interviewing for an upcoming game with indie devs, part of the mix. I've done work with 1000 Dreams Fund, um, doing some panelist work for them and like being the lead and guiding conversations, I guess, flight control type vibes. <laughs> I've also worked with community and the HBCU program they have and like being a host and like caster for some of their events. So I've kind of dove into a lot of different arenas and one thing i would love to try to work on is like apex i, I love apex legends even if it's like a very small just interviewer role i love watching the game it's so fun um and so i definitely think that you know it's one of those roles for me as an esports host and just on air host is i'm the reason why I think I loved journalism and communications when I was in school was because you you get a chance to like meet people and discuss their passions. And sometimes people are not always able to tell like their why. And I'm so much more than just like uh, about surface level like conversations, especially when I'm interviewing and asking people questions. I want to know like, okay, well, why was that what you wanted to pursue? And, you know, those give you some of the best answers, right? Like the follow-up, like that's what they used to tell us at school, like the follow-up. It's all about the follow-up and you can have a list of questions, but the whole conversation can be derailed if the follow-up is there and somebody is very passionate about it. So I love to unlock people's passions and know their why for what they're doing because everyone has something that fuels them. And I think, you know, when you learn about people and they tell you about who they are and they feel comfortable opening up to you, that's really when, you know, you're doing your work as a journalist. So that's kind of why I got involved as a host and what I enjoy about it. Amazing. I mean, I think that's definitely, you know, one of these really good points. And as you mentioned, why and what was it like working with E-League and MLG? Yeah, so it was fun. So MLG is one of like the core pillars in OG esports, right? Like RIP MLG, like I feel like some of the best uh, people would say, maybe some of the old heads at this point now, but some of the best content and events came from MLG, like OG COD and everything. The golden so, days of esports, right? Exactly. That's what some people would say, the golden days. Like Maybe the golden days are ahead of us, but for old heads, maybe it's behind. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, that was really a great time. It was very fun. I have traveled with them a couple of different places. I never did get to go to Mexico City for the events, which is very sad. But I always wanted to go to Mexico City. But I've been to New Orleans with them, San Diego. Um, I I'm escaping on all the other places because I know there's more. I can't believe I just said two. But <laughs> um, as far as E League though. Um, yeah, and I have to give a lot of credit to Rose and Blaze at the Coalition. Um, well, Rose, formerly at the Coalition, and Blaze, one of my fellow casters, um, they gave me a chance, and they believed in me, and without them, I would probably be in the position I am now for hosting, because they were like, you're a student, but let's do it. Like, you can, you can do this. Like, we believe in you. So, like, huge thanks to them, like, all the time. And then, um, as far as Ely goes, that was awesome. Like, that was my first time in, like, a legit studio. Like, they had hair and makeup for me there. Like, I have one lady doing my makeup and one lady doing my hair. And I was like, hmm. oh, my God, I feel like a star. Like, what's happening? <laughs> like, it was so cool. Um, and then, obviously, like, there, they were with Turner. So, to me, like, you know, having a media background and, you know, being in journalism, Turner is, like, a big deal, right? Like CNN, mm -hmm. TBS, there, like TMD. all of it, NBA. Like I looked, we got to go to the actual studios um, in Atlanta. And so I saw the NBA studio and like NBA TV. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a dream. Like, so that was an incredible, like incredible, incredible opportunity. And then like the production was so like on point. And what was really special to me about that opportunity too is I got to bring my mom with me to that one. And she had never been to like an esport event. Like she had never seen me work in person. And I was like on stage, I was moving around, I was hyping the crowd. And like, she was so proud. And like, she got to come with me to Atlanta for that. And that was like, the best feeling like having her there and she's always been super supportive of me doing this type of stuff um which sometimes I feel like people say like in gaming they're like they don't get that support <clears throat> and she eventually actually told me that when I first told her I was going to pursue esports she was like she was like supportive to me in, in front but then she was like I don't know. She called my grandma and she was like, I don't know what she's doing, but we'll just go with it until she like changes her mind. <laughs> but then she, uh, I told her about like some of the salaries the players were making and she was like, oh, they're legit. Okay, never mind. Like, I know you love video games, but like, this is a big deal. Um, and that was back in 20, ooh, I think it was back in 2019, like right before the pandemic. But yeah, it was incredible. I think just being able to bring my mom along was probably the best feeling, but overall it was just very good. Amazing. I mean, it definitely sounds like you've experienced some of the great parts of esports. So what do you like yeah. most about hosting? Yeah, I just really love being able to get to like people's why, you know, like that's, I love, I really do love interviewing. I have a very, I would say I have a very hard time um, reaching out to people about interviews. Like I have like this imposter syndrome about like, oh, will they say yes? Like, why would they want to talk to me? Like, why would they want to sit down? Like, cause I would love to obviously interview people like I know, but also some people I admire, you know? And it's like, why would they want to do a show or ask? Trust me, me, people but, love talking about yeah. themselves. Oh, <laughs> no, that's reassuring, you know? Cause it's like, 
you know, it, it's just always been something I've struggled with in the back of my head. But, you know, doing this, like, I feel like there's always that layer, even with some of the brands I've worked with, there's always that layer of like fear and will they do it, you know, and I still, I feel like to this day, like even having done this now for five years, I still have that like nervousness, you know, and I try to work on that every day, but I feel like I try to channel it into like hard work um, and just trying to do my best instead of just getting caught up on nerves. Um, But yeah, I just, I really enjoy hosting i'm trying to get also more into anime hosting because i love anime um and doing some like conventions and in-person events and stuff but yeah that's it's just enjoyable meeting people and getting them to talk about what they love too so i think that's the best part for me Awesome. I mean, I definitely know where you're coming from. And some of the guests on the show can attest to you that it was just me messaging them on LinkedIn. Hey, I'd love to have you on my show. And there's a bunch yeah. of people that have left me on red. So shame on you <laughs> out there. But to everybody else, you know. Y'all better reply ep- to Justin or else I'm going to come for you, okay? <laughs> right. It's like we passed episode 100. So I, I've obviously done my duty at this point. But For sure. Um. So tell us a little about working with the Dallas Mavs, you know, including working with their 2K League team. What was that like? Yes, that was – I remember when I had graduated from grad school at that point, um, we had to uh, – I guess, like, take a step – well, I'll take a step back. I – like, the fourth quarter at Northwestern, you do an internship, and that's how you get your final credits. Or you can just continue to do coursework. But I did an internship with uh, – Uh, monumental sports and entertainment so i worked with wizards dg um around the first like the end of the first season and i've always really been like into the 2k league and from the jump like i covered draft with espn esports when that was around as a freelancer like i booked my flight flew out there as a student and covered it and then worked with WizDG on their last season Uh, well, that first season and did some work with the production and stuff like that for content. I finished my internship um, and everything was over. And then I moved back home to Dallas. I had no job. Okay. Like Justin, I was jobless. I was just trying to make ends meet like streaming. (laughs) Like it was nothing happening. Right. And then um, basically, I saw that the Dallas Mavericks were looking for a gaming street team. And I was like, I think I could do this. So at the time, they had just hired the head coach, LT. I messaged LT. I was like, hi, you don't know me, but like, I would love to help out with you guys and try to be a part of what you're doing. And so I was the first street team member, like the OG, like, mind you, it was part time. um, But I was like, literally, I love to tell the story because I was the first job I had after graduating with a master's degree, broadcast sports journalism, I was rolling t-shirts, pushing a cart to and from the AAC promoting the NBA 2K team. And in the Dallas heat. I in the Dallas heat, like, and I was proud. I was, like, so excited. I love talking to the fans because it was at the basketball games. And, like, obviously, like, growing up in Dallas, being from Dallas, I loved 
uh, the Mavericks. I always have loved the Mavericks, still love the Mavericks. And I was just so happy to be there. So I eventually like worked hard, um, worked my way up. I kind of talked to people um, while they were there with Mavs Gaming. And I was like, hey, you know, I kind of have a background in content. So can I just kind of help out? Like, I know you said you need some help and I know how to edit. I know how to shoot and I could help out like on the side. So I was doing that. And then eventually, like they opened up a full time job and I got the position and um, I was a content coordinator for a little while. And then I worked my way up to manager, but um, I was able to travel with the team. Like every week we were flying to New York, right? Like it was crazy. Like I still am like nervous about flights. Like I've, I've never been a flyer personally, but some of those flights were so risky and like, they were so scary. I, Dallas weather is so finicky though. Um, but I made great friends with the team. Like it was so fun. I was a part of that series where the team was like undefeated and we were going so hard with the graphics. Like people kind of started to be annoyed with us, but we didn't care because we were having fun. Um, but we were just, it was just, it was literally just us having fun and like making good content or um, things we enjoyed or things we would want to know about the league. And it was just a fun time and like working with the team for so long. And I'm, I'm definitely grateful for my experience at the Mavs because they gave me my first time job and I still love um, the team. So, and Luca's doing so well. So <laughs> it was fun. It was fun times. Well, shout out to LT. You know, we, you obviously saw a great candidate. So I'm happy she was brought in. So as you mentioned, you used to travel with the team to watch it in, um, person, what do you think about watching 2K versus watching some of the other titles? Were there any differences? What were your thoughts? Yeah, so for me, 2K, the 2K players, I would say, remind me a lot of how like Gears and like Call of Duty players are. Like console, there's trash talk. It was like these guys, first time being on a stage. Like it was so fun. Like they were so passionate about the 2K space. Like I feel like 2K players that are play competitively are very passionate about being good and better than everybody else. Like because it it's what you did at home, right? You play with your your cousin, your brother, your sister, your whoever. Yeah, your friends. You just grab the sticks like I got next, you know, and just play the game. So I feel like they're so passionate and I loved that. And it was so fun to watch. I feel like I personally feel like the NBA has like the best productions just as a whole. Like um Dirk and Scott and Autumn, they're incredible on the broadcast. Like I think that whole team is great. And um, they've obviously added more people now, but you know they were they were killing it. I remember even watching when EE was host, and I've always thought that that team has done very well. And they bring so much, I feel like originality to the broadcast that it's different than just traditional esports. And I think that's important, you know, because it's. I feel like it's important to know that two K is very much like a lifestyle and i think that's the lane that like 2k is trying to lean into you know um 2k tv is becoming less and less about the game and more about the lifestyle of the basketball players who play the game the lifestyle of some of the biggest content creators who play the game and like they have a lot of brands that come into the fold and things like that. So I think it's really important for the 2K League to also tap into that casual, that lifestyle. How can we be a part of the the gaming 
and gamer lifestyle as a brand like that. So it's less just about like, oh, having the best gameplay, I think, for them and more so about, you know, selling a lifestyle now. So I think it's really important that the 2K League is landing into that and obviously like expanding the influencer program. Graham, a.k.a. Black Frank White, is doing a great job with that, like killing it, okay? So I think they're doing the right things at 2K and I'm I'm excited for the future for the whole league, so. Well, you know, everyone knows I've definitely been a supporter since day one. So always happy to, you know, see them making progress in that world. So I know yeah. you. So you've kind of looked at both spectrum. You've worked at, you know, mm-hmm. you're working at an endemic esports org like Gen G, and for that, you worked at a non-endemic sports franchise in their esports world. So what kind mm-hmm. of similarities and differences have you kind of noticed with, you know, how the companies operate and decisions and all that. Yeah, so I think there's I feel like there's a lot that both can learn from each other, like esports and sports. So I feel like gaming, for example, can learn a lot from traditional sports. Um, I know that gaming, like in esports, really doesn't want to take the traditional route, and I think they try to avoid that as much as possible. But I mean, I think it is something to say about the fact that, you know. Some of these from some of these teams, like the Lakers, they have built dynasties. The Celtics have built dynasties. They're not going anywhere. Obviously, they're funded heavily. They have like broadcast rights and think broadcast deals and things of that nature. And like the Mavericks, similar situation, like have all of these benefits. They have owners and things like that that are funding and supporting these things. And listen, sports is not going anywhere. Cowboys, I'm talking specifically about basketball because that's my background, but same thing with all of these sports, right? Like uh, American football, regular football, like those, like some of those orgs and some of those brands have years behind them. And I think that is a testament to the fan base that they grew and that they built. And I think we some we see some of that in like the optics of the world and the optic gaming, like diehard ride or die Call of Duty fans never going anywhere like crazy, right? Console demons, okay, period. But like I think in the sense like other boards can learn a lot from that. I, I, I mentioned optic and don't mention phase. That's crazy, right? Like, you know, they built that that camaraderie, that love. And I think we see that a lot of esports teams are doing that. Obviously, like some teams kind of fall off, fall through, like they don't stay around a long time. I think it, it's because it is kind of a little bit more difficult to um, narrow down who the audience is sometimes. Like they're not all local. Like, you know, the Mavericks fans, like there may be Mavericks fans all over the world, but you know, at the end of the day, the Mavericks fans are in Dallas. So that's where brands can say, okay, we can attest to it. We're in the arena. We can have them in our stores. Whereas like, how do you get esports fans to your store if most of it is virtual? So I think that's a lot of like the hurdle that esports is trying to face. I think, and this is just my opinion, but I think the Overwatch League tried to do a little bit of that with like having uh, like Dallas Fuel and like having people local like Houston Outlaws and things of that nature. I'm not sure. I think the pandemic kind of set things back a little bit, probably considerably in all honesty. I don't know the background of it. But 
you know, I think there is something to be said about the fact that, you know, sports has been around for so long. But I think a large part of it is because, you know, we grow up playing it. And obviously, like, we're, I hate to say this, but we're like the oldest gamers, right? <laughs> like, we're the oldest. So, like, people have passed on and moved on and have have passed that have played basketball. Whereas, like, most people were playing, like, Apex. It's us. Like, but we don't know if Apex will be around for, like, 20, 30 years. So does that mean some of the esports org will also go away? So I think the the tre- the test is being able to stand the test of time long after a game title is no longer around. Because if you were to yank the rug under um, Call of Duty, I have no doubt in my mind that Optic and FaZe will still be powerhouses in this industry. Um but obviously, if basketball goes away, which it never will, like what what will happen to the Mavericks? But I think that's just one thing that esports can learn, and something that I think sports can learn from esports. Mm, I think that I had something and I wrote down, but I don't have my phone in front of me, <laughs> admittedly. But I know there's a lot that sports can learn from esports too. I think the biggest thing is just how to reach a young audience. Um, how to meet a young audience where they are at. So like even just getting on TikTok and having relevancy on TikTok, I want to say that not the Mavericks specifically, because Mark Cuban um, was the first person I even really heard about TikTok from when it was first booming before the pandemic, right? Like, so 2018, 2019, we're already talking about TikTok before it blew up, right? And Mark is like, we need to be on that. So the Mavericks are great to have a progressive owner like that. Um, but I think, you know, meeting them where they at and meeting, meeting young people where they're at early is one of the benefits that gaming has. And I think gaming also has personalities, which we're seeing a little bit more of that from NBA players now where they're having their own YouTube channels, NFL athletes like um, Austin Eckler dropping the news about his injury on Twitch, um, things like that. Like that's what NFL needs and not just NFL, but like sports as a whole, they need more personalities, I think, because the ratings, sometimes people talk about ratings dropping and things like that. People love personalities and these content creators, they fall in love with things like that. So I think sports could use more of that rather than just the team, like tapping into influencers, like, the Washington Commanders team just recently decided to have a social uh, correspondent who is a massive TikTok influencer. I'm talking like 6 million plus followers. So I think things like that will is a huge lesson that sports can definitely learn from gaming, content creation, and esports. 100%. I mean, I think that, like you said, both areas have these really established principles and like you said, basketball or football or soccer or baseball, they're not going anywhere. People are always going to want to play basketball and, you know, but who knows if 20 years from now League of Legends or Apex or Fortnite is going to be a game that everybody wants to play. Right. How do you, how do you stand the test of time despite the titles, right? And I think it's sort of like the next step in esports and gaming. Like, it's not always about the title because the title may die, but that personality, that brand that you develop won't. So I think that's like 
really important is who has the personalities that will go with them no matter what they do, you know? Yeah. Definitely. So what kind of tips do you have for any aspiring casters and hosts, people that are trying to kind of get into the industry? Sure. So I think my biggest advice is, in all honesty, and I know it's kind of crazy to say this because I talked about imposter syndrome, but really you should just do it. Like build your resume, build your reel, just put yourself out there. Even if that means like casting over, I don't know, like if AC is streaming and you're going to like start your own stream and just cast over his gameplay, you know, cast over the competitive level just on your own time, record it, give yourself feedback, watch it, redo it. You don't really in this in this world of like YouTube and TikTok and Instagram reels, you don't really need a network behind you um, like you used to, like when ESPN was first launching and Stuart Scott was just trying to get on air, Stephen A. Smith was just trying to get on air. You know, like you could do it yourself. Do you have a following? Not necessarily, but put your content out there. Like, do some news, break down things. I need to do more of this personally. So I'm also saying this for myself, but um, yeah, do it, you know, just try it, see if you enjoy it. I think that's so important because it'll really take you far and like help carry you. So, cause it also give you reps. I think reps is so important in this space. So get the reps, do your best, be yourself. Don't let anyone tell you you cannot do something be yourself if you're passionate about it do it like and seriously don't read the chat like don't read the chat <laughs> while don't you're live read the chat don't read the chat if you're a streamer and you're doing your own content read the chat talk to your community but when you're on broadcast there are so many trolls they they're just there to like bring you down like they'll say something silly and you didn't even say that like they'll spin it don't read the chat don't should I say it again? The title is broadcast. Don't read the chat. <laughs> Literally. I mean, I think that that's some amazing advice. And, you know, I echo the sentiment of, you know, like Nike says, just do it. And as you said, just putting yourself out there is, you know, probably the best part and the best way to make it all happen. Yeah, that's that's literally all you can do. Like if you put yourself out there, my mom always used to tell me like when I first started doing this is that the squeaky wheel gets the grease and, you know, the other wheels, they'll be turning, but they might need grease too. But the squeaky one is the one that gets the attention. So, you know, put yourself out there, make some noise and, you know, get what you need. So, Absolutely. So what's your favorite part about working in the esports and gaming industry? Ooh, my favorite part. So I've really enjoyed the camaraderie and the community um, that I've personally found in gaming. So there, I've made a lot of friends like recent, like not recently, but Aaron, Ashley Simon and I have always been like connected on Twitter, but we're now in the same city. So our Twitter connection became actual friendship. And now we're like really good friends. Like I've met... Um, same thing with Shady. Like I actually met Sh Shady. He used to work at Astro. Um, I met him at another event. We've always been Twitter friends, but we're actually now in the same city now too. We're actually friends. And like, even just 
you know, doing some streaming a little bit on my own time. I've built like a small community that is so like exciting and passionate. We have a lot of same interests, sports, anime, games, and the camaraderie I feel like gaming has brought me has taken me like so many different places and I'm grateful um, for that, you know, authentic and genuine connection that I've found with people. And I'm so grateful for them because a lot of times they'll keep me going. Like my friend, my friends in real life, they don't get this gaming stuff. That's, that's what they tell me at least. And they, I don't think have a huge interest in it, but you know, I've found a lot of common interest with people who are online and also just gamers. And so I'm I'm really grateful for that. Amazing. So to bring us all to the conclusion, what's the future hold yeah. for you? Where are you going from here? Oh, what does my future hold? Okay, so I would love in the future to like start my own version of Complex. Like I talk about Complex a lot. I really like Complex magazine and um, Complex just a lot. I would love to start like a media like even if it's a small blog or like a small video cast breaking down like um some of my nerd loves like anime games and stuff like that mostly just anime games i should say but um uh, also like esports can be thrown in there too but that's what i would love to do but for now you know i'm still working on talent and creator management um really enjoy working with content creators i've learned a lot from our creators um, they've also been very patient with me and, um, I'm really grateful for that because I think we learn better when we learn from each other. So, and I'm not telling them what to do. We get their feedback on things and I've enjoyed that and I'm enjoying doing talent management. So right now that's it. And just continuing to freelance and finding gigs. If you need a host, anybody needs an interviewer, I got y'all, but yeah, that's really I guess the future right now. Yeah. Awesome. So I like to end some of my episodes with my three questions. So what is your favorite game to watch? My favorite game to watch. Ooh. Okay. So I loved Animal Crossing when it was very big. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Animal Crossing was so cute. Um, and just seeing people's different islands. But as far as competitively um, for esports, I love watching Apex. Um, Apex right now is just so fun. Like some of the, the infights and seeing how people navigate the circles differently. I think the characters have great abilities. And, you know, I, for esports specifically, I've really been enjoying watching Apex and, um, following those storylines yeah so what's your favorite game to play favorite game to play Ooh, that's a hard one so favorite game at the moment i'm playing a lot of the sims <laughs> i told you i wanted to be a sim game dev at one point um a sim guru i should say that's what they call them uh but i also for mobile actually i've been playing this game called disney twisted wonderland it's a mobile game and it's kind of like anime style. They're actually making an anime for it with Disney. So I'm into that right now. Yeah. Amazing. Who's your favorite video game character? Ooh, that's a hard one. Okay. Mm. Favorite game, video game character. Like any game, huh? Yeah. Any game. Oh, my. Okay. So I would say, hmm. 
I'm gonna pick someone from Super Smash Brothers because that's like when you said that that's the first thing that popped into my head was character select <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> um or do I want to do okay, yeah. So I'm gonna say my favorite character if I had to pick someone. Oh my wow, Justin, you got me, you got me like I got, got the brain busters at the end. Yeah, this one is a tough one. Okay. I'm not going to pick someone for Super Smash Brothers, actually. Okay, so I'm going to say that my favorite game character ever, like of all time, maybe is probably. I really liked Banjo and Kazooie growing up. Oh. That was like my game. I love the game. The characters are really funny. And the interactions were so funny. Banjo and Kazooie, they're a duo. I know they're not a solo, but they're a duo. That's what I'm going to go with, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock it in. <laughs> okay. Well, definitely a great selection there. So thanks so much for joining us. This was extremely awesome. So tell us everyone where they can find and connect with you. Sure. So I am on social media at Miss Jordy. Um, no Instagram right now. I'm trying to get it back. But that is on TikTok, Twitter, and Twitch. I do have um, some hobby accounts for my anime obsession. Um, those are at the Blurred Bay on TikTok and Insta. But for the most part, if you do want to find all my social channels, though, just to make it easier, you can go to Beacons, B-E-A-C-O-N-S dot A-I forward slash Miss Jordy is M-I-S-S-J-O-U-R-D-Y. Awesome. Everyone go check her out. Definitely excited to see some of this anime stuff. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J-E-S-Q. Check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.